The parish likes to, to look at kind of the bigger picture. A priest is an altar priest. They just go, go, go. In the zeal full of Jesus Christ. There is compassion for poor people. And it has this beautiful historic church. Heaven coming down to earth. Thanks be to God. From the Rome of the West, this is the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Your audio gateway into the Archdiocese of St. Louis. On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We'll also give an update on Catholic news, courtesy of the reporters from the St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine, the official publications of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So with trust in the Holy Spirit, let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. My name is Gabe Jones. If you're a Catholic in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, you probably are familiar with the term the ACA, or the Annual Catholic Appeal. Well, every September, the results of the ACA are announced, and the results of the 2016 Annual Catholic Appeal, again, show unwavering support among Catholics across the Archdiocese for the ministries and mission of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So in this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we're going to look into the results of the 2016 ACA, what they mean, and just how they've helped people across the Archdiocese. We'll also, of course, hear from the St. Louis Review and some of the stories that their reporters are working on. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Good morning. Now it's time for our lunchtime prayer. Please prepare to pray. The scene at Bishop DeBerg High School during a Thursday lunch period is a flurry of activity. Students hurry to get in line for food, while others lay claim to their favorite table. For the students here, it is part of a normal daily routine. But DeBerg's principal, Dr. Bridget Timoney, knows that this routine is only possible with the help of the annual Catholic Appeal. Starting my 14th year here, and over the years, I think I've realized more and more impact that ACA has on here as a community and the connections to the broader community. Uh, we, you know, the, our general operating budget wouldn't um, survive, wouldn't work if we didn't have funding from the ACA. So that just in our tuition assistance we can offer our families, our general operating, our curriculum, our instruction. Whether it's rising costs, increasing tuition, decreasing enrollment, or even a tax on their religious liberty, Catholic schools in the Archdiocese of St. Louis and around the country today face numerous challenges. For DeBerg, the assistance from the annual Catholic Appeal is critically important. We, we need that extra funding in order to make our um, tuition affordable and financially feasible for our families. And that's really our goal is to provide that Catholic education and be able to live our mission. In the context of today's world is that a lot of people, when they look at the church, they have a hard That's Brian Nieberge, Executive Director of Stewardship and the Annual Catholic Appeal in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. There's a lot of reasons why, or experiences they've had with individual people throughout the years, where people look at the church and they can't see uh, Christ. Catholics look at the church and see Christ. Even more specifically, they can look at the Eucharist and see the body of Christ. But a lot of people can't. Each spring, the annual Catholic Appeal, often known simply as the ACA, asks Catholics in nearly 200 parishes across the Archdiocese of St. Louis to make pledges to support programs, 
organizations, and ministries that help people of all faith traditions. Spanning the 11 counties of the Archdiocese, these programs assist the homeless and hungry, provide pro-life resources, support women and their children, and fund Catholic education and family counseling, among other charitable works. All of the money raised each year through the annual Catholic Appeal is distributed to the various programs, organizations, and ministries that carry out the important work of the Catholic Church here in our community. At its core, Brian says, the ACA makes the mystical body of Christ visible in an unbelieving world. While the people may not understand the theology behind the Eucharist or the Church, when, when a group of people give help to other folks in need in their own community and beyond, people they don't ever know, people they'll never know, they'll never meet, they'll never be able to thank, they give them help. People understand that, and they see goodness there. And that is what the appeal helps to do. It makes Christ visible in an unbelieving world. On Friday, September 16th, Archbishop Carlson announced the results of the 2016 Annual Catholic Appeal, which was conducted this past spring. The total amount raised through the contributions of more than 51,000 Catholic households amounted to $14.89 million. The St. Louis Review has extensive coverage of this year's campaign in the printed edition dated September 19th through 25th or online at stlouisreview.com. Brian credits the success of this year's campaign to the overwhelming generosity of so many Catholics. These are people from every uh, race that's here, every uh, economic background, every social background, every geographic background. This is the, this is the urban and the, the, the suburban and the, and the rural and small town. All of these people come together, uh, over, as I said, over 51,000 households coming together to raise almost $14.9 million to support the mission of the church. If you include the possibility, we do uh, help some schools to receive matching gifts. Uh, the match portion of those gifts would bring that total up to $15.3 million um, in, in, as those schools are able to capitalize on those match gifts. And again, this is because people around the diocese, Catholics around the diocese, look at the church and say, you know, this is part of our responsibility. We need to, we need to help, um, help the church to evangelize the world, and we do so through the appeal. Another group of people that I like to uh, give credit for this success to is the Annual Catholic Appeal Council, which was led by Chris Schmidt. This is a group of priests and laymen and women that help guard Archbishop Carlson and myself uh, and everything on how, from everything from how the money is utilized to how we communicate with folks. Uh, they actually are, are participants in the grant application process so that the, uh, uh, the people in the pews can have a, a, a knowledge and a confidence that the money is being used well, the money they give is being stewarded well. Um, and there are people from all over the diocese that participate on this appeal council. So I, I want to thank those folks for the work that they do all year round. Brian also stresses that the success of the appeal could not happen without the support of pastors and the thousands of laymen and women who give up nights and weekends to run the appeal in their parishes. That is the reason why we're so successful. They, they see the needs of the church and they respond in their, with their own generosity, not just with their money, but with their time and their energy um, uh, to ask people to make a gift to the appeal. It's all those uh, thousands of men and women uh, in parishes around the diocese that the success of this appeal really belongs to. They should be proud of their work. One particular parish, 
St. Catherine of Alexandria in Kaufman, Missouri, has achieved a 100% participation rate since 2012, including 2016. To find out more, I called Helen McDaniel, the parish's ACA chairperson. Helen told me that her tiny parish in rural St. Genevieve County may only have 31 registered households, but each and every one of them takes to heart the spirit of the appeal. I just think that that has always been part of our nature uh, in the country, uh, and I'm sure in the city it's, people are very generous too. But uh, it just seems like we're a close-knit family, and we help each other when needed, and so why not be part of something bigger and help others also. So I don't see that that is anything very special because it's just the way people are. When they see a need, they try to help. The commitment St. Catherine parishioners have to the appeal is in part because it wasn't that long ago that St. Catherine was in danger of closing. But with some help from their pastor and the ACA, they've been able to stay open. One of the parishioners had uh, contacted Father Valeroy in Farmington, and he worked it out that he comes down and does Masses for us on Saturday night. So we're very appreciative to him and to our, uh, to the uh, Archbishop Carlson, too, because otherwise we wouldn't have even had a church. But I think we've always been conscious of the need to give, and uh, I think even before that, we were probably 100% or pretty close to 100% because the people just see the need for it. And it's really, it's not a job. It's not a task for me and the two helpers that I have that uh, it just really isn't a task because everybody is so conscious of it. And it has helped us quite a lot because we've gotten a, a grant or two from the uh, archdiocese to help fix up our, our buildings, and we really appreciate that, too. I asked Helen if the help they've received has made them feel part of something bigger. Oh, yes. I think that has helped uh, them see that we, we want to be part of the archdiocese, and they are willing to help us, and we are so appreciative of that, too, you know. I, I don't know what more I can say because uh, it, we're just very fortunate and appreciative of being part of the Archdiocese, even though we are so small. So why are the people of St. Catharines so committed? I can't speak highly enough of the people in our parish because they've always been that way. And uh, Father Valeroy for taking the time to come down and, and help us stay alive. Um, and uh, we just feel very fortunate. That's all I can say. We just feel very fortunate. God has blessed us. Back at DeBerg, Bridget says the school recognizes that they are part of a larger community. One time I went out to a community that had no idea where Bishop DeBerg was. I had to tell them where Ted Drews were in order for them to know where we were located. And to have, for them to know that that impact is providing a Catholic education for students and explain that to them, that it's not just about your own community, it's not just about your own little world that's maybe just a church and it's not, you know, an entire um, you know, community, not entire school, but the effects that they have on it. And I mean, we are so grateful because I know it's not just our community around us. I mean, we have students that come from 45 different zip codes. So we do reach a broad area of the archdiocese, but uh, just for those, those parishes that are outside of here to know that the Catholic education and the money we're using is not going to um, waste. I mean, it is something that we are very grateful and very thankful for uh, the opportunity to, to work with these students who are and serve these students because it's really a service. 
DeBerg students, faculty, and staff are encouraged to also contribute to the ACA however they can, whether it's a gift of time, talent, or treasure, because they and all the other Catholic schools of the Archdiocese are part of something larger. We try to make sure the students realize that all of us are connected in Archdiocese and a lot of the programs that we have are, po are possible because of the ACA. Uh, we talk to the faculty about it and really strongly encourage the 100% participation at the ACA uh, presentation when they give us the check. The three students who get the scholarships, we you know talk about the ACA and our commitment to it and we donate our gift and realize that you know the dress down days we have goes to the ACA that we all are giving back uh, to a program that's really helping us be the school that we are, the community that we are. Now, before we end this segment, we need to make a clarification. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard about the Beyond Sunday campaign. Hopefully, the distinction between the annual Catholic appeal and Beyond Sunday is clear. But just to be sure, let's clarify. The Beyond Sunday campaign is being run by the Roman Catholic Foundation of Eastern Missouri, primarily to provide scholarships for families who want to provide their children with a Catholic education but have difficulty in covering the cost of tuition. And let's face it, the cost of Catholic school tuition has risen rapidly in recent decades. Many parishioners in the Archdiocese have already held their Beyond Sunday campaign, and more are currently ongoing. For more information about Beyond Sunday, visit beyondsundaystl.org. On the other hand, the purpose of the ACA goes beyond just education. Here's how Brian differentiates it. But the needs of the appeal, the appeal supports are different and very important. And they're the same reasons that people have been given to this appeal for decades. You know, we could go back in our database right now, uh, 21 years, and I think we've found uh, over 7,000 households that have given at least uh, some kind of a gift every year for um, uh, 21 years. All those reasons that people have been given to the church all those times are still in place. The, the people who are poor need help. The people who, um, who uh, the poor folks who, who need a, uh, help with putting their kids in a Catholic school continue to need help. We continue to need to care for our retired priests and we continue to need to train new seminarians so they can be ministers in our parishes and to train deacons who have a growing role in our parishes around the Archdiocese of St. Louis, helping the poor through Catholic charities um, and other ministries of the church, like, like St. Joachim and Care Service or the rural parish workers. Uh, all these needs are still there, and so we have to continue boldly with, to ask for money for this appeal so that the mission of the church, uh, through these uh, efforts, can continue. Although he's very grateful for the recognition given to the appeal itself, and how much it is supported in the Catholic STL community, Brian recognizes that the ministries and organizations receiving the funding are the unsung heroes. You know, when Pope Francis stops and hugs somebody or connects with somebody who's in need, it makes big news all over the world. But here in St. Louis, that story is happening with people quietly, without a claim, without news cameras, without, without social media. It's happening on an everyday basis through the ministries of the church, through Catholic charities and at our schools and the rural parish workers and at uh, so many other ministries. And uh, it's these little miracles of love that are happening and, and great sacrifices, acts of courage where somebody reaches out to somebody else in need. That's what this appeal supports. That's what this appeal does. And so uh, I want to thank all the ministries that are supported by the appeal. 
because they are the reason why this appeal exists, not uh, the reverse. The appeal exists because there are people out there who are willing to give their lives to help others in need. And so those to the people who are doing that in our ministries, thank you, and uh, you do excellent work. And the success of this appeal, the success of this appeal bears witness to how much respect and love for you that the people of the Archdiocese of St. Louis have. Well, as we've just heard, the 2016 Annual Catholic Appeal was again very successful thanks to the generous contributions from Catholics in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Hopefully you listening to this podcast here. And uh, so to delve a little bit more into the Annual Catholic Appeal and uh, how that's helping people, I wanted to bring in Jennifer Brinker with the St. Louis Review. So Jennifer, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here. This is your, your second time now on the podcast. It so. is. Very exciting. Yeah. I'm almost a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first time, I guess, was good enough. We were able yeah. to bring it back. And that's right. You weren't scared away. That's yeah, good. exactly. So we're in a little bit of a different location today. I wanted to try something out. So uh, uh, we're not in our, our um, the studio, the, the closet space we have here in the Cardinal Regali Center. So um, I wanted to make it a little more uh, uh, easily accessible for Jennifer and I to, to record this. So, um, Jennifer, let's delve into the annual Catholic appeal. Then, uh, listeners to this podcast episode uh, have heard the numbers. They know, okay, almost fourteen point nine million, um, fifty one thousand households, one hundred fifty parishes passed their their financial goal. Um, but the neat thing about your article, I think, in the review, dated uh, the nineteenth through twenty fifth. Is, uh, is that it, you really get into the personal stories and how this impacts people. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's three main stories, mm-hmm. three main uh, uh, people, I guess, who are impacted by, by the ACA included in your story. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about those a little bit and, and kind of what you saw in your reporting on sure. those stories? Yeah, so I think this is where, you know, this is where I'm most touched by the annual Catholic appeals, you know, being able to go out and share those individual stories of how people are impacted, how they're helped through the annual Catholic appeal. Um, one in particular was um, a couple that uh, live in Hillsboro, and they were affected by the New Year's flooding. They had uh, they live along the Big River, and they had about eight to twelve inches of water come into their house. And um, just seeing that devastation, you know, nearly nine months later, you know, almost um, they're still dealing with the after effects of it, and it's a long process, but when that emergency um, assistance is gone, you know, when FEMA's come and gone and and the Red Cross has come and gone, um, you know, folks like Catholic Charities step in and they're there for the the long term. So Catholic Charities um, through St. Francis Community Services is actually helping uh, them to kind of get back on their feet and rebuild their home there. Um, They've had to rip out flooring, cabinetry, um, you know, and right now they're kind of an in-between stage where you know, it, it is livable, but, um, you know, they're still doing dishes in, in the bathroom, that sort of thing, and that's not ideal. So, um, but, but Catholic Charities is, is helping them kind of get back on their feet. So being able to show the impact of the appeal, you know, that funding went directly to, you know, Catholic Charities, so then they can in turn help folks, you know, six plus months out from disasters like this. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and that's, I think, the, the quote you end your story with from Karen Wallensack says, uh, you know, you're, they're going to be helping this couple and others like them a year from now. 
and you know we're already nine months after the the flooding right so i mean they're there for the long haul like you said so yeah that's really great and that's yeah. what the annual catholic appeal supports right yeah. um the other story that struck me, um, the one from Doorways, can you talk about that a little bit and the, the van? Yeah, so they, um, Doorways is the interfaith, um, it's a, an agency, it's interfaith, um, but uh, really it was helped, um, it got its start because of um, a group of people, including Archbishop May. This is in the 1980s, and so the church has been behind this ministry for a very long time, and they get a, a very nice grant from the Annual Catholic Appeal every year, but kind of over and above that, they got a second grant for $10,000 to go toward a 12-passenger van, and this is to help transport um, the men that live at their Cooper House residence. Um, some use wheelchairs, some have walkers, have different, you know, abilities of, of mobility. Um, and so this will actually help kind of get them in and out. They've got a 10-year-old minivan that they use, which, again, it works, but it's not ideal, especially for those who are in wheelchairs, like Jim Frederick, who we featured in the story. Um, so being able just to put him on the lift and get him in and out, I mean, his face just lit up when we talked about this new van that they hopefully will be getting by Christmas. Um, they're, they're hoping to get all the funding in place for that. But I mean, he just lit up, you know, and he knows it's gonna be so much easier for him to get out and go to the store or doctor's appointments and, it just it really brought him a lot of joy so that made me happy to see yeah. stuff like that it would be a nice christmas present if they can get that by by christmas yeah that would be, actually <laughs> be awesome. they were talking about going to see uh, christmas lights yeah oh, hopefully wow. so that was one of the first things they were talking about wanting to do once they get the new van that'd so, be fun yeah that would be good <laughs> very cool so. well and then the third story uh you went and focused on a student from saint francis cabrini academy yeah, so she actually was, um, her name is Myra, and she was featured in the spring video when the um, 2016 campaign started, and she was featured as an eighth grader at Cabrini, and now she's a freshman at Nearings Hall, and Cabrini is, again, another benefactor of funding from the Annual Catholic Appeal, and because of the support that she got at Cabrini, she was able to go on to a Catholic high school um, and in fact one of the things she mentioned was um, the counselor at Cabrini helped connect her to a scholarship at Nearings and that was really the deciding factor for her to go to Nearings and she said if it weren't for her counselor she likely wouldn't have known about that scholarship so she was grateful for the connections and the assistance um, another thing Cabrini does is they um, have parents come in and they work with them as their children are applying for schools, you know, to help connect them with, you know, high school, you know, info nights and those in the application process, those sorts of things. So um, she was very grateful for the help, you know, that they got in kind yeah. of guiding them through that process. Well, that's great that, you know, our Catholic schools are there, like for, for this, in this instance, you know, it's not so much just, hey, we're going to give you money so you can go to school, mm -hmm. but the counselor was there to connect her with, you know, the scholarship and, and get her, you know, it wasn't just here, here's a check, right? Mm -hmm. It was that assistance, that direct personal connection with her right. that really put her over the top and got yeah. her into that school. That's, that's, um, yeah. yeah. The other thing, too, that Myra talked about, um, she, you know, she talked about the um, diversity at Cabrini, you know, not just racially, but from a socioeconomic background. Um, and they're, they're pretty diverse community. And, she said that really kind of helped her um, as she came into a school that, you know, high school that is equally as diverse and she knew very few people there. So just kind of knowing, you know, people and coming from different backgrounds and that sort of thing really helped kind of 
prepare her for that as she came into a new mm-hmm. school. So. Well, and li- as listeners of this podcast episode uh, heard earlier, we, we talked about Bishop DeBerg High School and how important the ACA funding is for them. Um, but it's really for so many different schools. You know, it's not just a Berg, not St. Francis Cabrini. It's, it's so many different schools um, who, uh, and, and the scholarships uh, to help these kids um, yeah. be able to go to uh, and afford Catholic school, uh, yeah. especially a place like, like a DeBerg, which is ordinary, you know, uh, mm-hmm. these are diverse student bodies. And, mm-hmm. um, so that actually is a, is a good segue into what I also wanted to talk to you about today. Um, in the, the same edition of the paper, um, you uh, we featured a story, or you featured a story um, on the Del Mar Divide pilgrimage that took place uh, last week and a couple weekends ago now. Um, so that's on the front page of the review this week. Um, and so for, for listeners who don't know, you know the Del Mar Divide pilgrimage uh, took place uh, the weekend um, September 10th. Uh, it uh, was put on by the Peace and Justice Commission of the Archdiocese of St. Louis and the uh, Inter- Interracial Relations Committee of the North City Deanery. Am I saying that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to um, to cross the Del Mar Divide to say this has historically been the line in our community that divides, uh, you know, black from white, mm-hmm. and we're going to purposefully cross it in order to build community. Mm-hmm. And you were there. Mm-hmm. You, you witnessed this happen. So can you talk yeah. a little bit about that experience of seeing this? This is kind of a momentous thing to, to occur. Yeah, right? yeah. I thought it was great. Um, just the turnout, you know, itself. I mean, there's so many things going on in our community, and to see the large turnout for this, and it it was just it was really a simple day for people to come together, to talk to one another, to get to know one another. You know, not necessarily to talk about the very deep issues that divide our community. But to just say, hi, I'm so-and-so. What's your name? What, what parish do you go to? Tell me more about yourself. And that's really what it was all about. And so there was kind of that the talking in between the stops. There were stops along the way. The route was about two miles. Um, and it started at St. Louis University at the clock tower there. And um, it, it went up and kind of crossed over. We went along Del Mar, and we kind of crossed up and over and came back down, if you will, and then ended at the cathedral. Um, so in between those stops, you know, people were just talking with one another about, you know, who they are, where they're from, you know, why they were there, that sort of thing. And then along the stops, there was time for prayer and some singing and that sort of thing. So, um, but I, I think that was just a great way for um, relationship building to happen because one of the things that was mentioned in the story, um, Cheryl Archibald, she's a pastoral associate at St. Matthew in the Ville neighborhood of North St. Louis. She's one of the organizers of the pilgrimage and, you know, talking about how when we spend time to get to know one another, um, you know, that can help break down the fears that we have. And that fear is really where a lot of, you know, kind of the bad stuff mm-hmm. happens, if you will, you know, the, the conflicts. That, and, yeah, yeah, because we either we don't know or, you know, we're fearful and we act out of fear. And so her hope was that by bringing people together, it would kind of maybe break down some of those fears. Was there anything um, that stuck out to you that day? Any sort of, um, I don't know, new connection that people made or or, uh, an interaction you saw between two people that, you know, maybe you thought might not otherwise happen or or any other sort of thing? You're like, wow, this is so emblematic of why we're doing this pilgrimage. Right. I don't know if there was any one, you know, one meeting that, you know, kind of struck out to me, but... um, one thing I, I did encounter, there was a man there. Um, he's from a parish out in West St. Louis County. His name was Bernie Sammons. 
and he's African-American, uh, and he has been working with nine parishes out in the West County area um, to come together to talk about these issues of race, racism, social justice, um, and it's really starting to catch on, you know, and so by going out to these parishes and having discussions about some of the root issues, um, they're hoping to kind of build upon that, you know, those relationships, the conversation, that sort of thing. So um, I was really impressed with the work that he's doing out there. And that story had um, a sidebar that had some of the upcoming events that they have planned. So, Great. yeah. So for more information, if people want to get involved or, or go to these events, check out the St. Louis Review, the 19th or 25th mm-hmm. in print or online, mm-hmm. stlouisreview.com. Yep. And, uh, and the title of that story is uh, Crossing Crossing the Divide mm-hmm. in the St. Louis Review, so yeah. by Jennifer Brinker, our distinguished guest on this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. So, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on, and You're uh, we'll, uh, we'll have you again on soon, I'm very sure. All right. All right. Good. Thank you. To sum up the upcoming St. Louis Review ep- uh, edition, I think it can come down to one word, jubilarians. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Stephen Kempf, Assistant Director of Publications for St. Louis Review. Yes, uh, the jubilarian section, we are going to have a 40-page pull-out section where we're profiling 250, maybe 248. I haven't gotten the exact <laughs> count in yet. but uh, 40 pages, though? Yes, 40 pages. Uh, so we're profiling those 248 to 250 priests and men and women religious and just talking about all of the awesome service that they provided to the church in St. Louis over the last however many years. We have people ranging from you know celebrating 25th anniversary of religious life all the way up to, I think, 83rd. Uh, anniversary of religious life. So I guess um, just real quick, a question might be: How does how does somebody get into that episode? I mean, or, uh, that episode <laughs> edition. Um, do they do they have to send you a, an email or something, or what is the requirement for for a number of years? How does that work? Well, we work with the Office of Consecrated Life here in the Archdiocese, and we basically look for orders and uh, men and women religious and priests who have served in our archdiocese for more than five years. Or we're born here, so we have a we have a large group. You know, not all of the orders currently minister in our archdiocese. Some of them used to be in the back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, some of them are still here. A lot of them are still here, in fact. And you know, just just showing the the pure love for Christ in our archdiocese. Oh, that's great. Anything else that uh, readers of the St. Louis Review should be looking forward to? Absolutely. Uh, the next issue of the Catholic St. Louis Magazine. Uh, probably has already hit your mailboxes. It was in last week. Uh, it's the October-November issue. Cover stories on marriage and all the different ways that the Catholic Church is supporting and guiding young couples who really, truly want the sacrament of marriage in their life. Great. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. And uh, uh, like we said, say every time on this, people need to get a subscription, right? So they can see all this great news in their mailbox. Yes, they do. com slash subscribe to... Get it. Subscribe. All right. Great. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We always welcome story tips and ideas for the podcast. Just send them to communications at archstl.org. That's communications at archstl.org. 
Make sure to connect with us on social media to stay up to date with what's going on here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're on Twitter, at ArchSTL is our handle there, at ArchSTL. And we're on Instagram, at CatholicSTL. And you should follow the St. Louis Review. They're on Facebook, also Twitter and Instagram, under the handle, at St. Louis Review. That's S.T. Lewis Review. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. I'm your host, Gabe Jones. We hope you'll join us again next time here in the Gateway to the West, the Rome of the West, Catholic St. Louis. Catholic St. Louis.